Hi, welcome to my podcast. I'm Dr. Lauren Goodall. I'm a clinical psychologist, and this is Psychology in Short. Uh, Today's topic is going to be about stress management strategies. And I'm going to not only talk about some of the strategies, but some of the reasons why some of the strategies don't work. So it's going to be a different take on the usual. Uh, Before we start, I'm going to talk a little bit about my book, which is Bipolar is Not an STD. Uh, It's based on my work uh, over 20 years working with clients, um, various mood disorders, whether that's different types of depression, different types of anxiety, panic, uh, bipolar spectrum, bipolar. um, Those have been my specialty. And I talk about different sub-symptoms. Those are symptoms that often get overlooked by professionals, get overlooked by clients. So I try to teach people what to look for uh, with the idea of getting people better faster. Um, I also talk a little bit about relationships, uh, relationship factors. So if you like relationship stuff, that's in there too. And my opener, I talk about my life uh, before I start psychology. Some of it's miserable. So if you like a little misery with, with information, then here is your book, okay? Again, it's Bipolar is Not an STD, available on Amazon. All right, stress management strategies. Let's talk about meditation. Meditation comes up all the time, right? And it's, it's, it is really a skill set. It's generally not something that's a one and done that you just kind of get. Okay. Is it helpful for thought process? Yes. Um, is, does it have physical health benefits? Yes. Is it easy? I would say no. All right. I call it the pre-stress strategy. In other words, if you don't have a lot going on, this is a go-to. Um, some problems with it are if you have a hard time focusing, concentration issues, and hard time redirecting, this is going to be a tougher game for you. If you have any type of imposing thought process, obsessive thinking, stuff like that, um, this can be a, a bit harder, okay? Um, again, it's a skill set, something that you have to work towards. My experience with people who have uh, more severe depression, more severe anxiety are going to have a harder time with it. Um, so it's not an easy sell out of the gate. Um, the next topic is exercise. And we've heard time and time again how exercise is good for you. Exercise is good for you. So I'm going to start with um, some of the caveats that I've come across. Okay, depressed clients um, have a really, really hard time with exercise. Um, it's not just an attitude thing. It's a physiological thing. It's a biological thing. They don't have energy, okay? They don't have energy to go from the bed to the shower, okay? They're already borrowing energy at that point to do that. So the recommendation of 30 minutes of exercise is, is, is great, but how is that supposed to happen, okay? So that's a problem. So basically what we have figured out there is we figured out the second half of the equation, but we didn't figure out the first half of the equation. Okay. And that's a big problem. All right. So depression has that aspect. People who have anxiety, they have better access to energy. Why? Because 
anxiety just breeds adrenaline, okay? So they'll be able to exercise. The folks that are going to be great at exercise have some degree of anxiety and they can roll with it, okay? Um, Or, you know, what else builds energy and exercise is hormones, okay? Uh, Hormones such as testosterone, you see all those athletes who, who are building muscle, they go to the gym, but they're not dragging themselves to the gym, I would say. They have energy to go there, hence they're able to follow through. So it's not just, and I'm sure there's willpower involved. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. And I'm not saying that there's no stress involved. I certainly wouldn't want to say that either. But what they do have is the prerequisite. And the prerequisite is energy. And testosterone, people who have higher testosterone bases have more energy. Okay, so they're going to be better able to do that physical exercise. So that's a that's a that's a hormonal biological advantage. Okay, versus a person who has say estrogen dominance in a woman. Okay, estrogen dominance women usually have bigger breasts. That's great for fertility and it's lousy for energy. In fact, they say estrogen causes fatigue. Okay. So now, okay, it, it, it gives you an idea that, you know, not all, not all hormones play fair. Okay. So that's a, that's a reason why somebody may be lower in energy and other factors in terms of exercise and exercise tolerance are genetic patterns, family patterns, okay? So your exercise tolerance is good as your ancestors. How about that? Take a look around, okay? So you get that. You get your metabolism from your ancestors. Um, So we have to take into account genetic factors in exercise. I never hear that being talked about. Um, Don't hear much about hormones being talked about. And as I said, with certain populations, it's, it's not going to work effectively. The, the population, basically, they say has to do it, doesn't even have the prerequisite to do it, okay? So first, you have to figure out the first part of the equation and get a person alleviated from their depression in some capacity, okay? You can work some movement, um, limited exercise, but they're going to be too exhausted just to begin with. I don't know if you're going to just caffeinate the heck out of these people or, or, you know, bomb them with all those drinks, so to speak, but that's not going to work. So, um, so that's a difference that I see in the population I've worked with and some of the recommendations and strong science that's out there. I love science. I love research. I read it all the time. Uh, but you have to understand that science science doesn't always have common sense, okay? So you have to be able to weigh those two pieces out. Theory does not always play out perfectly. Um, let's see what else. Oh, there is progressive uh, relaxation techniques, okay? And that has been around for a very, very long time and basically... As you as a stress modality, you start off with your toes, you tense and release, tense and release all the way up your body from your legs to your arm muscles, you tense, you release. Okay, that will obviously uh, work on releasing stress out of the body. Okay, but people who have higher levels of stress, higher levels of depression, higher levels of anxiety, uh, 
they're not going to go through this progressive. Uh, they're, they're not going to be able to sit still through it. They're going to have problems with it. So what I recommend is what I call segmented muscle work, okay? And, and for instance, this segmented muscle work is really great with, say, anxiety, okay? You've got performance anxiety. You need to speak, uh, public speaking. If you, say, suck in your muscles, your stomach muscles, okay, and you hold them to the count of 10, and then you release them, okay, what you're doing is burning up adrenaline, or you could do it with your hand and make a fist, okay? Now, you can make that fist as tight as you want or as loose as you want. But what you're doing is burning up adrenaline, excess adrenaline. Because if adrenaline runs through your body and just keeps producing, it's going to be really, really hard to focus, okay? And you're going to, you know, people lose their train of thought. It becomes overwhelming. So segmented muscle work I recommend for stress management. Deep breathing strategies, skill set, okay? They work great unless you're in a panic attack, okay? It's a little too late if you're already there. What happens then? You start doing that. People start hyperventilating. Um, Yeah, that just does not work well. Um, So when you make a recommendation, you have to know something about the population that you are making the recommendation for. What are their risks? What do they struggle with? And if you've only read about it, that's not good enough, okay? So if you're working with deep breathing, you better work with these people who have anxiety, they have depression, and you're gonna see where they can go and where they can't go. So that applies to many different professions, okay? Um, But deep breathing is good, I say, until this person starts, uh, if they break out in a panic attack, that is not where you want to go, okay? Once that happens, you've got to get some movement to it to release that energy. Let me give you an analogy. You know what it's like to give a toddler a bag of Oreos and a Coke, okay? They get really, really happy, and then they start spinning around. And it's usually, somebody usually does it at night, and it's like, are you kidding me? This kid's never going to be able to sleep. So they get really, really hyper, right? Well, that's kind of like adrenaline and anxiety. Anxiety, if left unchecked, is like a bad bag of Oreos and Coke. It just keeps shooting. So different ways to, to bring it out of your body, okay? I don't know if you've ever seen people who rock, okay, who rock consistently. There is a purpose behind that. That isn't that isn't a crazy purpose. It actually works. I used to wonder why, you know, um, you see that with more, um, like, you know, people who are heavier medicated, things like that, but they're rocking. Why are they rocking? Because there's this energy, this agitation that's going through their body and the rocking releases it. Okay. We can only carry so much energy through our body without being uncomfortable. Okay. You also see that with hyperactivity, all right? You see people who have ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, do you ever watch their legs go? I mean, you know, everybody's, and and that's not in judgment. I'm just saying it's easy to do. What are they doing? They have energy. They're hyper, and they're trying to release it. That's all they're trying to do. So there's different aspects of how to work with different conditions, and I'm saying it's not one size fits all, all right? You have to know your populations well enough to know what works with whom. Uh, 
And as it stands, we kind of have a one-size-fits-all program. All right. The other thing I'd like to talk about, well, it still ties in, is uh, using music. I think people are like, yeah, I already do that. <laughs> yeah, you blare the music, whatever. Okay, good. Okay, it, music is a way of managing stress. Okay, you know, anger, kind of metal music. Um, people who do breakups do a lot of ballads. Okay, just bleed it out, so to speak. But say if you want to de-stress and you feel like you're getting kind of stressed, you might throw on some classical music. Why? Because the environment, we try to match the environment that we're in. So we want to de-stress our bodies, we start hitting the classical. We want to amp things up, we go into, you know, harder rock, what have you. Um, what do we want to do in terms of stress management? We want to do something that forces us into balance, okay? For instance, more balance. Okay, make a dinner date with your kids. Why? Because it's going to force you to be present. It'll push the thinking out of your head and help you attend to um, other people. Okay. Um, also, you know, when people are really stressed out, they generally don't always eat the best. Okay. They might pick up stuff. They might pick, you know, um, setting up uh, with your friends, say, hey, you know, do a meal prep with them, you know, just so you can get healthier food in your house and it's not so hard to do. It's always easier to do it with somebody else than to do it by yourself. Um, so it has a twofold purpose. And if you're going through longer term stress, you know, some stress just goes on and on because it's not going to resolve because whatever it is that you're dealing with is not a short term fix. You know, you might find something in the house or something mechanical or some small change that you can make that you like that you're going to be pleased with. So, you know, whether those are DIY projects, do-it-yourself projects, something small. I'm not talking about taking apart the whole house. I'm talking about something that, you know, maybe you've wanted and if you could kind of focus some energy into that direction, you would be pretty pleased with it. At least you'd have an outcome instead of just your usual stress. Um, another one, of course, everybody says, you know, you have to laugh, okay? I say take it one step further. You need to go to the comedy clubs, okay? Why? Because there's more social interaction there. Um, you, you get to participate a bit just in the collective, so to speak. Not that you're heckling comedians, that's not what I'm saying or they're heckling you, and that, that's not the idea. The idea is to be with other people and to not be around your own thought process, so to speak. It pulls you out of your head. Yes, you could get that off of YouTubes to a certain extent, but ideally, you know, go to a comedy club and because it really does help uh, rebalance your stress level in your body, at least temporarily. Um, alcohol... As we know, it's great in the short term. And in the short term, it shoots serotonin. It shoots dopamine. Those are all feel-good brain hormones, but it's very, very short term. Remember, whatever goes up is going to come down because it has to reach its own set point. Okay? So whatever goes up is coming that much further down. By the next day, um, you're going to be more depressed, more irritable. You know, you take people's uh, head off or small things, you know, 
but it, it's just not good mood management. It's not effective in the long haul. It's just a short-term fix. Uh, so it doesn't come recommended. Um, but I would say one that people often overlook that is helpful is reading, okay? Um, if you are a reader, that's not for everybody, okay? Um, exercise people do exercise, that's great, okay? People who are low on energy do reading, okay? Because reading will distract your thoughts, break, kind of pull you away from your thoughts, the thoughts that are causing more depression, the thoughts that are causing more anxiety. So, so there are different strategies for different people, okay? So I have discussed the meditation factor, kind of the pros and cons involved in that, the exercise factor, keeping in mind genetics, metabolic factors, the need for energy to be present to produce, okay? Hormone factors, testosterone versus estrogen, all factors that have to come into play. Um, Muscle work segmentation for when you have a lot of anxiety to get it out of your body quickly and without people noticing. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, you just can't go out for a run, um, uh, before you have to give a speech. It's just not going to work. Not everything you can just go do and, and that level will come down. Sometimes you have to bring that level down and isolate it. Um, and it will also help in terms of blocking panic. Okay. You start to build up panic. That's too much adrenaline. You start blocking that you start doing better. And the beauty of some of these strategies is it gets people away from things like Xanax. Xanax is like a Xanax, Clonopin, very addictive stuff. They're very short term. They just basically sedate you. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to learn how to work with this stuff. You need to learn how to work around this stuff. I, you know, Stress management, I used to just kind of roll my eyes at it, to be quite honest with you, but um, because unless you know how to do it, it's not helpful. So I'm giving you some tips on how to make it helpful. What are some caveats? So if you are not good at exercise or, or you're just still developing it, you know, go read, go block your thought process with something else. These are different coping strategies, okay? So a little something for, for basically everybody. And if you don't want to read, go to a comedy club, okay? I do a do-it-yourself uh, project because a lot of people are handy and mechanical, and that's a great stress release. So a lot of different ideas there. Hope you like at least some of them. Uh, thanks for listening, and thank you for joining me on my cast, and I look forward to having you back.